welcome. This is Stem Fatale, your Women in Science History podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Emlyn Gremlin. And I'm Emma Dilemma, causing problems left and right. Oh man, yeah she is. So I need catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, we were doing catchphrases. Emlyn Gremlin. You get what? No. What? No. No, sorry. <laughs> Thinking don't, about the gremlins. Don't feed me after midnight. Yeah. This is our episode. <laughs> I think I've yeah. already dropped my old catchphrase, which was Steminist Worldwide. Oh, which we, was only one episode, I'm pretty sure. Steminist Worldwide! Steminist Worldwide. <laughs> worldwide! I can't even remember what the right... No, I think that was it. You can bring it back. Alright. Emma Dilemma, causing problems since... What was it? Uh, causing problems left and right. Left and right. <laughs> so fit. And then you just go... <laughs> Stimulus worldwide. Okay, yeah, let's get in this. Right, we gotta do this. <laughs> okay. Double eps are so hard. So I started writing a question, and I'm gonna fill in this blank as I. <laughs> and I yeah. never filled in the blank. So the oh. question is, what diseases could you treat with a chemical from blank? All right. And I'm gonna say a blank is any plant. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you again. Okay. What diseases could you treat with a chemical from a plant? With a natural chemical. Um, quinine uh, yeah. will do stuff for malaria, and that quinine's the bark of a tree, right? Something like that. Something like that? Yeah. Potatoes will solve the disease of sadness in my soul, so that's oh, one thing. okay, it's- I mean, yeah, starch, which is a chemical that yes. you use to treat your oh. stomach hunger. Yeah. I think those are both great answers. Valeria, <laughs> Maybe the first one a little better. <laughs> okay. So I asked you this question because the woman I'm going to tell you about today is a organic chemist who discovered and described and figured out how to synthesize a ton of different natural products. Nice. Yeah. I love it. And her name is Asima Chatterjee, and she is one of India's first female PhDs. Nice. Yeah. Wait, is this something we retweeted? Probably. Cool. Yeah, I think sometimes I go famous. through. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I go through when I'm trying to get inspiration <laughs> and like what things yeah. did like other people that we like. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen us tweeter. Cool. <laughs> tweeter on Twitter. Okay. So, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I want to hear everything about yeah. this lady. Okay. So, Asima was born in Calcutta, India, September 23rd, 1917, to Kamala Devi and Indra Narayan Mukherjee. Her mom um, took care of Asima and her younger brother, Sarashi, and her dad was a medical doctor nice. in the area. Okay. Yeah. She received training in two styles of classical Indian music, uh, Drupad and Kayal. I think she, like, practiced them throughout her life. And she came in second place as a kid in the All Bengal Music Competition. Nice. cool. Good job. Yeah. As, a t- as, like, a late teen, I should say. I mean, she was a kid, but she was 16. Can I have a segue real quick? Of course. Always. Um, when I lived in England, I was trying to make friends at this all-girls school that I had just started. And they were going to have musical auditions. Uh-huh. And they asked me if I wanted to audition. Uh-oh. And I said, sure. 
and I didn't realize that I needed to prepare something. <laughs> what? Um, I don't know. I'd never done a musical audition. So they, I, I come up, and they're like, all right, do you have a song you're, that you're going to sing for us? Yeah. And I didn't. And oh. so then I was like, yeah, one second. And I go through my iPod, <laughs> get to oh, the, the Wicked musical. I'm looking uh. at musicals. Get to Defying Gravity, the most difficult song to sing of any song. Heard that song. Yeah. I okay. sang the whole song. It was like, I'm trying Um, what was the point of this? I think that was it. It was, and then these, these people who start, had started to become my friend didn't talk to me the rest of the time I was there. I think it was that bad. <laughs> like, one ear on my thing. <laughs> they thought you were weird. Amazing. <laughs> Anyways, continue. I, I think middle school is the worst. There's no way. This was high school. Oh, I thought you said middle school. No, I wish. High school isn't that much better. No. I'm sorry. I'm it's okay. Like, I don't know what girls school, too. Oh, it was rough. There's no... I was also sad and had eaten a lot of chocolates. Oh, my God. I hate teenagers. <laughs> Except for any of our teenage... Any of hey, our, our teenage listeners who are probably cool. <laughs> I don't think we have any teenage listeners. Okay, continue. I don't think we should have any Mm-mm. teenage listeners. I don't know. Maybe these stories are inspiring. Not the last one. Not our own stories. Not our stories. <laughs> so, Asima, um, I think she was good at music. <laughs> Sorry, that was such a long diatribe that was just for Emma and no one else. Uh, and she came in second place in nice. the music competition. That's good. I'm happy for her. Unlike you. Yeah, unlike <laughs> me, who was pretty much shunned from my school. But similar to you, um, she was smart and loved science. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring you oh, back thanks. up. Yeah, I was, I was getting in a low point yeah. there, reliving that. Um, what else? Okay. Other things when she was a kid, her parents helped her learn Sanskrit, so she was yeah. able to read a lot of, like, ancient Indian texts. That's which cool. Is cool. Very cool. Her father, along with being a doctor, really loved botany, and so that, plus her parents, who were very encouraging of her to get an education, um, piqued her interest in science at an early age. Nice. And she was especially interested in the science of medicinal plants which were and still are commonly used in India to treat diseases. Okay. And she received quite a few scholarships in order to go to college to study the chemistry of medicinal plants. Very cool. Yeah. So she, like, yeah, really wanted to know, like, you know, we take these plants whenever we feel bad and, Mm -hmm. like, what is going on and what is in the plants. That's That's still, like, a very hot thing. Yeah. Because there's... Yeah. So many plants. Such a diversity and so many secondary metabolites and stuff. The only college she was really allowed to attend in Calcutta was the Scottish Church College because it was the only one that admitted women. Yeah. When was this? This was... 30s? Yeah, the early 30s when she was applying to college. But the elders at her family's Orthodox Hindu church greatly discouraged her from going because it was co-ed, because guys Mm. could also go there. Gotcha. But her mother was determined to get her into school and gain admission. Nice. Yeah. So after high school, she went to the Scottish Church College, 
and graduated with on honors in chemistry. Um, she then enrolled in the University of Calcutta and graduated with a master's degree in organic chemistry in 1938. She's 21. Nice. After graduating with her master's, she started working with Professor Prafula Kumar Bose, who was a big natural product chemist in India, which was, like, becoming a new thing. So basically, like, natural products are just things produced by nature, yeah. essentially. And another chemist in the department, um, Acharya Prafula Chandra Ray, created a fellowship for her out of his own grant money and would essentially pay the university 75 rupees a month for her to attend out of his own grant money. Nice. Which at the time was roughly equivalent to $75 a month. Okay. Yeah. And at this time, she started work on the chemistry of alkaloids in the plant Rawolfia tetraphylla. Does that get you high? No. Okay. Well, I don't know. Okay. Rawolfia plants are commonly, commonly known as devil peppers, but I've never heard of them before, so I don't know. And alkaloids are naturally produced chemicals that contain basic nitrogen atoms and carbon. So, for instance, some commonly known alkaloids are morphine, which is an alkaloid produced by opium poppies. That'll get you high. Nicotine, alkaloid produced by tobacco plants. Yeah. Cocaine, an alkaloid produced by coca plants. Caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I, I, going through, like, the list of alkaloids, I was like, oh, a lot of things are alkaloids. Yeah, a lot of things that have, like, active effects on humans, yeah. I feel like, are alkaloids. Yeah, and a lot of things produced by biological organisms mm-hmm. And anyway, Rawolfia plants at that time were commonly used by Indian doctors to treat a wide variety of maladies, including snake and insect bites, malaria, abdominal pain, fevers, dysentery. They're used as a uterine stimulant. I don't know what that means. Pee. I, you don't pee yeah. from your uterus. Right, uterine. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I, thought, I was thinking um, urethra or something. <laughs> Um, uh, pregnancy lasts longer than nine months and you pee from your uterus. as a cure for insanity. But I'm like, that seems a little far-fetched. Yeah, was it like female hysteria? Don't know. I'm still confused what uterine stimulant means and I obviously did not Google that. <laughs> I don't think, I'm going to Google it and I will tell you. Okay, you know what that's going to Wait, what is up. it? Uterine? Uterine stimulant. That's just toys, different toys, I'm sure. Hi, Mom. Hi, again, Mom. <laughs> they increase the frequency or intensity of contractions in the uterus. Oh. So maybe good for, like, inducing birth or something? See, it's not as dirty as you thought. Oh, well. I'm just, I was, I guess the word uterine is so medical, it's not going to bring up, like, yeah. bad stuff. <laughs> Pussy stimulants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get that out. <laughs> Okay, so she, so Asya wanted to know more about the chemicals present in this traditional medicine, <laughs> not in your uterine stimulants. Um, and she did learn more about them, producing some of the first chemical descriptions of compounds found in the Rawolfia plants. You can't even look at me. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. 
Here I am trying to tell you about. <laughs> Sorry, my it's, bad. No, my no, bad. no, I, I love it. <laughs> I love pussy stimulation. <laughs> As we sit we on your we bed. Can't, we can't. I think we just need something lighthearted from last uh, last day. I know. We have to get through. Okay. All right. All right. It doesn't get any more interesting. (laughs) It's pretty dry. Uh, Well, not with a uterus (laughs) stimulant. This poor woman's memory. I almost just spat beer onto my keyboard. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> uterine She's, stimulants. Yeah. We're past that. We're past uterine stimulants. <laughs> in 1940, Asima joined Lady Brayburn College in Calcutta as the founder head of the Department of Chemistry. So I think she was both founder and head of the department. Nice. Yeah. In 1944, the University of Calcutta awarded her a Doctor of Science, which is kind of akin to our PhD. Did, so she was the head of the department, head of the... At a different university, and then I okay. think she was also just doing research and, like, I don't know how their doctorate system works. It seems like this was kind of like, oh, this person has done cool research, so they could kind of apply for a doctorate and get okay. one from this university given this work that they've done. Okay. But it's less of like a, you're in school for a little and like okay. it's definitely a little bit of a different process. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But it is still sort of, I mean, it might be more similar today, mm-hmm. but at that time she got this doctor of science for work she had been doing Kind of up until that. Gotcha. Okay. And she was the first. Okay. Some. A lot of places said she was the first woman in India to earn a doctor of science. Okay. But one thing I said. I read said she was the second. Oh. So I'm going to say she's the first or the second. Yeah. Okay. I mean, still very impressive. Yeah. And that same year, 1944, she was appointed an honorary lecturer in chemistry at Calcutta University. Okay. Okay. So she wasn't allowed to, it seemed like she was only allowed to go to one type of university, but she was allowed to be like a faculty or staff at other universities? Yeah, it's like she went to this co-ed college, and then she started... Um, a department of chemistry at a women's college after she graduated. Okay. Wait, it's called Lady Braeburn College, so I assumed it's a women's college, but that might not be right. <laughs> Premier Institutions for Women's Education okay. on Calcutta, cool. India. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And then she also worked with people and did research at the University of Calcutta. Gotcha. Which is which is where she got her master's degree. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, she got her PhD, again, just studying, like, alkaloids and different chemicals produced by medicinal plants. Nice. Okay, in 1945, she married Dr. Bharadananda Chatterjee, who was a physical chemist uh, who studied soil science and chemistry. Soon after 
they got married, she had her daughter, Julie. And it is said that um, her husband is very open-minded, cooperating, encouraging, and kind. And he would often stop by her lab and hang out with her students. Like, I don't know, they were kind of all one big family. Nice. And some of her students actually felt more comfortable confiding their struggles in him because she was, like, a really tough boss and yeah. he didn't want to disappoint her. Yeah. But he would come and, like, be the friend, like, the good cop, bad cop kind of scenario. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I feel yeah. for her. Yeah. That's a tough... Yeah. You're trying to be, like, a yeah, strong, right. like, but advisor. They loved her, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, like, a bad relationship. They just didn't want to disappoint. There needs to be a good cop, bad cop. But yeah. sometimes it sucks to be the bad cop. Right. Or, yeah. like, the, the, like, strong, hard, hard yeah, cop. Yeah, And their marriage was good, and he loved that she was a successful career woman, from what I could tell. I like this man. Yeah. Though she still took on some typical roles of women at the time. Like, she would wake up early to do cooking and chores and come home from lab and do the same thing basically but I mean I think she was happy yeah yeah in 1947 she took a sabbatical from her job at the Lady Brayburn College to visit researchers in the U.S. and in Zurich and she took her 11 month old daughter with her along with a nanny yeah nice (laughs) which is pretty cool yeah And she went to work with L.M. Parks at the University of Wisconsin on naturally occurring glycosides. And then she went to the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena to work with L. Zeichmeister on carotenoids and provitamin A. Um, This work earned her a fellowship, which she used to go to the University of Zurich and work with Professor Paul Kerr. And it's there that she studied biologically active indole alkaloids, which are another type of alkaloid, (laughs) which became a lifelong interest of hers. And she returned to India in 1950 to continue her work on alkaloids and other chemicals there. Nice. In 1954, um, Asima was appointed reader in the Department of Pure Chemistry at Calcutta University. I'm guessing reader. Like, I don't know what that. Means. So reader, um, from my understanding, is they have this system in England because, like, when my dad was there, so like oh. readers are, I think, full professors. Oh, cool. Yeah, they call yeah. them different. I think it's full professor, but I'm not positive. But yeah. it's definitely one of the Higher, professor. Yeah. yeah. Cool, that's awesome. I guess as a full professor, you just read and like... And she remained at Calcutta University for the rest of her life. Um, At this time, there was not a lot of funding in India for the sciences at all, like for anyone. Yeah, in the 50s? Yeah, yeah. this was 1954, starting then. So the lab she ran did not have a lot of equipment or necessary chemicals. She could only pay students and assistants part-time. And lab members sometimes had to travel kind of far to use specific instruments at other institutions. However, she and, like, everyone else in the lab just loved what they were doing. Yeah. So it was kind of enough for them on some level. Yeah. I mean, alkaloids, it's, I don't know, it's very cool how many different chemicals plants create and, like, yeah. how many of them have strong effects on humans. Yeah. And, like, so many of them have become drugs. It's just, like... It's really, yeah. We have 
all of the, like, a lot of our, like, disease problems, like, the solution has already been created in some in plant. Or a fungus. Even. Or, so, yeah, yeah, some fungus. Yeah. And it's just like, we gotta just figure out which one. It's yeah, very it's exciting. it's really cool. So, her lab, this is kind of a summary of her work, because... Um, you can read, and I'll, like, give a link to this. Her daughter wrote a biography. Her daughter actually went on to become an organic chemist, nice. which is really cool. Cute. And she wrote a biography that includes a lot of in-depth description of specific aspects of alkaloids. Okay. I'm going to link to that. Cool. I'm not going to describe the bonds that she discovered. If you are, like, so yeah. into alkaloids, <laughs> this is the site it's for you. It's very specific. Um, but, essentially, this is, like, all of the... Just, like, what her all of her research was about. Tell me. So, her lab studied the following aspects of what is probably hundreds of different alkaloids, terpenoids, and coumarins, which are other chemicals. <laughs> I was I'm, wondering. I was waiting to see if you were going to be more specific well, than that. I, I, no, no. Terpenoids are multi-cyclic structures with oxygen-containing functional groups. Yeah. I think THC is a terpene. All right. <laughs> or marijuana contains terpene. I forget. Um, and coumarins are cyclic esters of, of some kind, basically. Is that the most generic I could get with that one? Okay. But over her long research career of almost 40 years, she published... Published almost 400 papers. Whoa! Um, on the following basic things. Determining how to isolate different alkaloids from plants yeah. was a major um, accomplishment. She Her lab also determined the chemical makeup of different alkaloids, which includes things like how many carbons, how many nitrogens, different groups, how those groups were arranged, okay. like how many bonds between carbons and... How stable were those bonds and all that, which is a lot of work. Yeah. For even just one alkaloid, yeah. that's a lot of work. They determine how to synthesize specific alkaloids in the lab. It's very important. And so, like, how to reproduce them. Yeah. Either for pure research purposes or for use in drugs. Mm -hmm. And, um... And they figured out how to synthesize things similar to natural products to mimic the effects, but maybe, like, have better effects in humans or something. Okay. And some of the alkaloids that her lab described and figured out how to synthesize are now used in anti-epilepsy drugs, anti-malaria drugs, and various cancer treatments. Nice. Yeah. Very important. That's very um, cool. I'm not sure, like, if how common those drugs are. Yeah, yeah like now? But, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was hard for me to, like, decipher. Really. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yes. But if you do want to learn more about, like, the organic chemistry stuff, you should read the biography her daughter wrote. Nice. It's really good. Or it's, it contains a lot of details about things someone into organic chemistry <laughs> would be excited about. Not that I don't like it. It's just, like, lost on me a little bit. Terpene does, is THC and terpene. There's something going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I yeah. know. Yeah. There's yeah. something going on. <laughs> I'm not going to read this article, but yeah. they say terpene and THC a lot. Yeah. In the same Sounds paragraph. Right. Yeah. Okay. In 
1960, Osmo was elected a fellow of the National Institute of Sciences of India. Nice. In 1961, she received the Shanti Swarup Bhatnagar Award in Chemistry, which is the highest Indian award for science. Very nice. Yeah. And she was the first woman to ever receive the award. Nice. Yeah. In 1967, her um, her father and her husband died within Aww. a period of four months. God. Causing much grief for Asima, obviously. Yeah. And soon after, she, who was only 50 years old at the time, suffered a massive heart attack. And she was hospitalized for almost three months. Oh, man. Yeah, so not a good year. No. But through the help of her swami, her friends, her family, her colleagues, she began to, like, regain strength and feel better and get back to work. And also around in the next year, in 1968, she agreed to be a witness for an Indian chemical company that was involved in a huge patent infringement lawsuit. Like, they were being sued by another chemical company And her friend ran this Indian company. And basically, she, like, stood in front of the High Court of Calcutta for days answering questions about chemicals. And I think this, like, was good at getting her back into the swing of things. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. In 1969, she became the head of the Department of Chemistry at the University of Calcutta. As head of the department, she was able to make a lot of changes, including, like, securing more funding for the department so that they could buy a lot of equipment they needed to be competitive. Nice. And in the 80s, under her leadership, they added three floors to their lab building. And that space was essential for teaching labs, equipment, a bunch of stuff, so... She really, like, turned the department around as the head of the department. That's awesome. pretty cool. In 1973, she edited and rewrote Bharatar Bonusadi, a six-volume treatise in Bengali on Indian medicinal plants. Oh, man. And she then proceeded to translate it or rewrite it again in English. Six volumes. That's That's a lot of translating. Yeah. She, like, was an expert on medicinal plants, basically, at that point. In 1975, she was elected president of the Indian Science Conference, and in the same year, she was awarded the title of Padma Bhusan by the government of India, and that's the third highest civilian award you can receive. Awesome. I think it's kind of, like, knighting, almost, or, like, yeah, something like that. Um, she received, like, countless awards throughout her lifetime, honorary degrees, was invited all over the world to present her research. She also served as member of the Upper House of Parliament in India for almost eight years. That's crazy. Crazy, yeah. And she, It's so good when scientists I get know, in like, Parliament or she, they Congress. They just were like... You're smart. Be in Parliament. You can make objective decisions. Yeah. They have, like, two houses, and one is voted in by people, and the other is, like, assigned by whoever's in charge. And so she was in the one that was assigned. Okay. Yeah. So I I think they can just pick friends, basically, whoever's in charge at that time. Um, 
let's see, she was known to be, like, very selfless, so she never accepted any royalties for drugs produced based on her work, and, which I think a lot of drugs were produced, yeah. like, based on the alkaloids her lab synthesized and figured that's, out how to synthesize. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Considering, like, in America how we do it. Yeah. It's... Just not insane. that way. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't like that at all. Um, and I didn't find that much about, like, the last 10, 20 years of her life, mm-hmm. but I think she all like worked studying alkaloids and describing them her whole life. Um, she died November 22nd, 2006 at the age of 89. And like I said earlier, her daughter, Julie became an organic chemist and married Aww. an organic chemist and also had a pretty successful career. And Julie's son, um, Aniruda Banerjee is also a scientist who now studies cancer biology and lectures at St. Xavier's College in West Bengal and has a very successful science career as well. That's awesome. So just a very, like, cool family that's all sciencey and awesome. All organic chemistry. Yeah. And that is Asima Chatterjee. I love it. That's awesome. She yeah. seems great. Yeah. She seems like a cool lady. Yeah. I wish, I mean, in terms of her science, like, a lot of it is just she, like, figured out how to make an alkaloid. So there wasn't a lot of, like, variety of things I could say. Yeah. But if that is something you're interested in or know about, there's a lot of different, like, cool chemicals and plants that she studied over the years. Yeah. So it's definitely worth looking into. Nice. Yeah. I actually did like organic chemistry in college. I did too. It was fun. It was like yeah. a whole other language. It was like a learning a language. Yeah, I liked drawing all the rings and like mm-hmm. bonds and stuff. That was cool. You could make really pretty notes that way. Okay, I think we're... Let's move on. <laughs> oh, wait, I guess it's my turn. Yeah. All right. Work, 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 work. Work, 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 work. Um, this is our, yeah, this is our, it's all because of my, um, great (laughs) career in, um. Do you even remember what you were auditioning for? Nope. Okay. I just wanted friends. (laughs) And you didn't get them. (laughs) And I got the opposite effect. Um, so yeah, this is the women who work section, uh, women making history today. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart. I have one shout out, and shout out goes to Carita, uh, or Dr. Carita Lindstedt, I think is how you pronounce it, who's a postdoc at the University of Javascala in Finland, uh, and colleagues for a Proceeds of the Royal Society B paper that came out on August 1st. Ah. And in this paper, they test the costs of a certain cooperative behavior and the ecological conditions under which cheating is favored. Oh, so, uh, not which, the cheating you're thinking of, people. Uh, oh, like cheating on your spouse. Oh, yeah, don't, not that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe nobody assumed that. <laughs> <laughs> now they're like, get your head out of the gutter, Emma Dilemma. Yeah, it's causing problems. Yeah, again. left and right. <laughs> Okay, so the larvae of the common pine sawfly live together on plants. So these are these little larvae. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they cooperatively defend against predators by vomiting up this sticky toxic goo all in unison. Ew. Have you heard of this? No. No, I hadn't heard of I love cooperative behaviors. Yeah, yeah. and like, I hadn't heard of this. 
Uh, however, some larvae are little cheats oh. and don't participate in the group vomiting party. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I don't yeah, sometimes do that either. I, some people are getting really drunk at a party and they're all starting to vomit and I'm just like, no, thank you. Yeah, right. Um, now. <laughs> I like vomit party. Yeah. Now, Dr. Lindstedt and colleagues found that larvae are more likely to cheat, i.e. not vomit all over the place, uh, when they're more frequently exposed to predators. And that there is a cost of joining in the sticky goo vomit party. So those that abstain from such festive group activities (laughs) are more likely to survive to maturity. And out of the larval stage. Because, like, okay, if they're not vomiting, they actually obtain the energy. Yeah, so it's, yeah, Yeah. there's a pretty high energetic cost of vomiting when you see a predator. And so, the, like, (laughs) I think they, I know, they, like, poked these, like, plants filled with larvae at different rates. And so, like, the more you poke the larvae, the more they vomit in response, thinking you're a predator. Yeah. And so you get more cheats because at some point it's very energetically costly for them to keep producing. So they're just like, I'm going to let Steve and his friends vomit, and I'm just hoping that it grosses out the predator enough that I don't have to also vomit. Right, right. So, yeah. So... I just thought that that was great. And a cool, like, cooperation. So, shout out to Dr. Karita Lynchdet. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah. And then I guess, oh, that would be, I bet that could be a really cool system for modeling evolution of cooperation, too, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, there has to be some point where you want to vomit. Mm-hmm. Like, a certain number of individuals need to vomit for everyone to survive. Like, you know you're yeah. going to feel better if you vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, I at what point, yeah. like, how many members of your party do you need to vomit in order for the predators to be, like, yeah. ew, gross, and yeah. actually leave? <laughs> and it is... I love this. Yeah, is the cheating, like, a plastic response? Right. Like, it seems like, you know, if you, the more... individuals, yeah. less like... Yeah, I couldn't find anything about, like... If there are just individuals that have some sort of genotype where they're just yeah. like, nah, I don't want to vomit. I'm not going to vomit. I know some people yeah. who can't vomit. <laughs> that's uh, funny. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I like it. All right. So those are my shout outs. Smite shout out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the end of our episode. So yeah. thank you so much for listening. And if you like the episode, please rate, review, subscribe so oh, more yeah. people can find us. And you can also follow us or, you know, message us or whatnot uh, at StemFatalPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Gmail. Um, and then shout-outs go to uh, Caitlin Friesen for our logo and to Artichoke for our theme music. Yeah. And you, my friend, can go stimulate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd join in. I was trying to... I didn't know where you're going with that. Actually, you, I thought you were gonna say you. I forgot we say that. Go stimulate. Go stimulate. Yourself. Just go Bye. do it. Bye. By circa eighteen twenty, she ran a fossil store. She put the bones together.